Humanly, uh, and most recently, he's the CEO and founder of Sassable. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing all those correctly. I but heavy, how you doing? Yeah, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. It's good to see you guys. And haven't so started drinking yet. Yeah, so glad you've kept the uh, the show alive this year, 2020. <laughs> oh man, out and the uh, lost year, isn't it? Like, what it's year so is so messed up? And, oh yeah, yeah. I keep waiting for the comet news, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm not even joking no, anymore. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I tell people, like, what's, what's something that would happen that normally would surprise you, but it wouldn't surprise you this year? Aliens could show up. And Aliens no, for sure. Literally, yeah. They could show up and say they caused COVID and sent a comet, and nobody would be surprised. Okay, so comet or aliens and or a combination of it. How about yeah. aliens Black coming holes? out of a comet? <laughs> well actually there was a nobel prize given out the other day something to do with black holes so maybe we could that'll factor into it well the physics and i mean prize. did you guys i don't know if you guys saw a post uh just the other day um from our, our good friend brad smith um that they've just um virgin has launched their hyperloop station um in oh, brad's cool. home state and uh, i mean i think that's going to be pretty amazing stuff maybe that's going to be launching hyperloop isn't that elon well, I guess apparently Elon's got some competition. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, Mr. I just, Sir Brand, Sir Richard has has his own thing going. Apparently, they he does, and it's it, there's hiring like something like thirteen hundred engineers or something crazy. It's going to be a huge project. That's wild. That's that is we wild. Get it. Hope we get it in Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be able to go Calgary to Vermont in like a couple of hours. It would be insane. Like, well, and you know what, Andrew. I would definitely come out and visit you in the summertime now if we had Hyperloop to Toronto. Absolutely. Right out to your cottage. <laughs> the one thing is the feasibility of this. The, the only problem I have with the feasibility of Hyperloop is like the amount of tunneling that has to be done, right? Like that's the one thing that I think makes it like, I think it's an amazing technology. It's really um, incredible what it might be able to do, but the amount of tunneling, like, yes, we could travel from Calgary to Toronto in a matter of hours. Cause I think it goes like 700 miles per hour or something like that, 636 miles per hour. But like, that's going to take forever to be able to build that kind of. Yeah. Craft. I don't see transcontinental right away. I actually saw a really cool presentation at a, at a, at a, um, seminar I was at a few years ago and it was one of these guys who's elon's buddy um he's involved with with all that and he's saying the the real um benefit is destinations like southern california or sorry southern california northern california connecting 
you know, all the California together, it's a natural, you know, Musk has been working on that, but also like uh, New York, Washington, Baltimore, Philly, those places out in the, the Northeast, it's made for it. I'm not sure they're really talking transcontinental yet, but I can uh, see them it's more, connecting up all these metro, um, metropolitan areas that you could conceivably go coast to coast on. Right, which is, you know, 2020 has made living in the suburbs more and more appealing to people because you don't have to be in offices apparently anymore. Yeah. So with that, you know, combination of Hyperloop, we're just going to be pushing people further and further away from the cities and, you know, depopulating the cities, which I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing, but oh, yeah, we've had a real estate boom and flood of people from New York and from Boston come up to Vermont where, where I'm at and buying homes sight unseen, just first day buying in cash. It's, it's, pretty remarkable what's happening the boom happening in rural and suburban areas yeah i guess the question is do we think there's still an economic a further economic collapse eminent that's gonna change the real estate market yeah i don't know but what's really driving it i heard recently that just all that stimulus money that people don't even need (laughs) they're just putting it into real estate and the stock market Mm-hmm. What, what's driving it? I don't know. Like I haven't really heard up here in Canada, what's driving it in the U S in general. I could see something like Vermont because uh, Bernie Sanders lives it. No, just kidding. Um, it's a nice place. <laughs> it's a beautiful lives state. There? Everyone that to too. Like- it's a beautiful state. I drove through it years ago. Uh, I, I was spending some time in Boston and I did kind of a road trip up to Ottawa to visit family. And I went through Vermont and it was, it was beautiful. New yeah, Hampshire beautiful. was beautiful. Yeah. I could totally see if you lived in the Northeast and in the, in the big um, metropolitan areas that a place like Vermont would be awesome. So that makes sense to me. But I just hear these housing prices are insane everywhere. They are. Andrew, is it, how's it affecting the Toronto market? Um, so the Toronto market is still up. Um, and I think it's, it's sort of mixed depending upon who you ask. Um, you know, the reality is there's there's always going to be a demand in toronto there's never going to be enough houses True. you know and I, I remember going to a real estate conference basically explained why that is and basically because of our green belts and the lake it creates this sort of island effect yes. um which like, you know it's like vancouver's that way too where you got the mountains around it there's only so far you yeah. can go you got yeah. you got boundaries exactly and that that basically means that and, and that combined with immigration means that there'll always be a demand. At least they've always predicted that, but who knows? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe this new work world that we live in where people are starting to realize I can work from home. Like, and, and this has been an amazing thing that um, obviously, Michael, you were ahead of the curve and you were a visionary for this um, as were many people from our community that you don't have to have a physical, physical location. Right to work with clients. But now a lot of traditional businesses are starting to get that. And people are going, hey, well, if I don't have to actually be in downtown Toronto to work at my job, do I really need, you know, this million, $2 million home when I could go and live out, you know, in the suburbs, telecommute, maybe come in one or two days a week, um, and then imagine you throw in Hyperloop in that and what used to be a two hour drive into the city is now a 15 minute commute on a Hyperloop. Right. I mean, that's going to really change the landscape of, of the city. And I, you know, could have devastating impacts on pricing in, in big cities, but I think that that's realistically oh, years yeah. away from happening. Well, yeah, no, yeah. Pricing in New York city has already dropped significantly. And so is San Francisco. So it's, 
I think that's, I think that's I th- interesting. I I've heard that those cities yeah. are people yeah, are I think leaving it's a for good. Of the rental units, I mean, the rental market will go down in price because you're going to shift from rental market to buying a cheap place in a suburb or renting a cheaper place in a suburb or a rural area, at least until there's a vaccine or at least until people feel safe, you know. And then yeah. there's obviously there's a lot of controversy around this article that uh, a guy named James Altucher wrote um, called New York City is Dead. And uh, he's a, you know, a native New Yorker that, that said that he doesn't see New York City's surviving or reviving from this for a long, long, long time. And, um, and then you had Jerry Seinfeld and the governor and the mayor all, you know, write rebuttals against that one article. And he was like, I did not expect the governor of New York to read my article or the mayor to comment or Seinfeld to actually write an op-ed who's, he's never written an op-ed before about, you know, the grid of New York City. And so. It's really interesting what's happening, but anyways, you know this is yeah. the world we're living in, and um, yeah. 2020 has a, a few more months left, guys, and so it's it's good to see that you both stayed healthy and uh, bad. You obviously got healthier, yeah. which is awesome to see um, this year. And uh, thanks for keeping this this uh, conversation alive every Friday night. So tell us what you've been working on since you've been uh, since you've been gone from the show. Yeah, so so um, you know. Many might remember I, I started uh, I started the beginning of the pandemic and we were in Arizona on uh, the beginning and we ended up kind of getting stuck there um, uh, voluntarily uh, mainly because we didn't we, we were all concerned about traveling everyone in the country did there was a lot of unknowns about traveling and I had my wife and kids with me in Arizona where I'm originally from so we were there and I was still running reconciled and I was basically head down focused on hey am I going to have to change or do some transformation with reconciled um, and then I quickly realized a few months in that we were ready. <laughs> we were ready for this. All the firms around us, all our competition, all our clients were, while they were adjusting to remote work, we were already doing that. And the biggest adjustment our workforce had to make was that kids were now home from school. So just thinking through that, we were ready to talk, to have that conversation. We met weekly as a leadership team. And I met, um, you know, I met with the staff on a regular basis, all the staff just reassured them there were no plans to lay anybody off or let anybody go and um, not to make any changes and rep and reconciled continue to grow through the pandemic. It was, it was amazing to watch. Nice. And yeah. So the summer was an amazing summer. We've had record months um, as a business. And so uh, yeah, we continue to grow and continue to, um, you know, reap the benefits of being remote and being able to continue to uh, message and market our, our value as a firm. So that was really exciting. That was my, my core focus. Uh, and then also, I spent, um, uh, you know, at, at late last year, uh, I had raised a small amount of, of investment money for uh, an app idea that I had and that we call Sazable, you know. And uh, so we formed a, I mean, my co-founder, Ali, uh, formed a company near the end of last year, raised, raised some investment money, like a, like a pre-seed round, um, and then built the first version of the app together with our technical team. Um, we have a technical team in India and here in the U.S. and uh, launched that first version uh, back in early June uh, publicly, and then um, and then got it into the QuickBooks Online App Store shortly after last month. So we're, we've been in the QuickBooks Online App Store now. Now we're kind of doing more marketing and talking about it more publicly. We have pricing, uh, we have a pricing model and everything. Um, so our goal really with Sazable is helping any type of recurring revenue company. It could be an online accounting firm. It could be, um, you know, it could be online accounting firm. It could be uh, a SaaS company. It could be really anything. 
uh, anybody, IT managed services, um, digital marketing agency, um, help them measure their recurring revenue metrics. You know, that's the primary kind of uh, focus right now of Sazable in, in its first iteration. Um, so we're not, a, we're not a, a, a general financial reporting app like Fathom or any of the other apps that do gap reporting. We're not focused on gap reporting. We think that you can get that report from plenty of apps and from QuickBooks or Zero already. We're focused on this kind of specialized recurring revenue metrics reporting that is generally something custom you have to do in Excel or Google Sheets. Um, but now we want, you know, we, we've hopefully built an app to help people um, begin the, pro- the, the process of doing that more automated as well as learning more about it because a lot of accounts actually don't know how to talk about it and don't know, you know really how to think about it. And so that's what we're focused on right now. So it's been, it's been really, really exciting. So when you say recurring revenue, is that following along with what we've been learning for years about value pricing and, and are you targeting accounting firms or just professional service firms in general? No, any, any company measuring recurring revenue, it doesn't matter that you can use the app. It's built, it's built um, around the unique needs of measuring recurring revenue um, and, you know, customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, churn analysis, all those things that a SaaS company normally would do. SaaS companies have been at that for a while and they have tools. They have tools in the industry um, that are more sophisticated. And if you are a SaaS company that gets to mid a midsize, you, you, you usually go to a billing system that provides you that kind of information. But when you look at the product like QuickBooks or zero, they don't provide those metrics out of the box, right? It's, you have to calculate them in Excel or Google sheets. You have to do manual calculation every week or month. And so we're trying to provide and make that, make that, um, more mainstream and almost introduce the concepts and the terms to accountants more so that they actually can talk about them and use them in their advisory and their consulting services. And for those who don't know, why is that such an important thing? Well, recurring revenue, um, you know, it's, it's, it's become the dominant business model with the highest value. When you look at, when you look at SaaS companies or any companies with recurring revenue, um, you can name so many of them, right? That we know that are public. Um, their value is in fact that their revenue is predictable and that their revenue is, um, has customers that are basically already committed to that revenue in the future. Right. So that's what they mean by recurring revenue. Um, so it's not really, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily related to value pricing. It's not necessarily related to, to fix it. It, you know, those are components, right? Recurring yeah. revenue can be in value pricing, but it's not really related. It's a completely different thing. It's, it's, it's a revenue structure in which your customers commit to a subscription or a membership or basically an agreement with you that's over a committed time period. And you try to increase the, the time period of that. And the longer that time period, the more value that cus- valuable that customer is to you from a revenue perspective. Um, so, you know, recurring revenue then ends up getting really high multiple multiples of value, right? So you're talking about five, five times revenue to 10 times revenue. We've seen companies even sell for 20 times revenue um, because that revenue is recurring, not one-time sales. So it's definitely uh, stands out from one-time sales and it's, it's focused on the recurring nature of a committed contract or customer, which, you know, a customer is the hardest thing to get. So to have a a customer actually commit to you, that's a big deal. And the subscription too. Like oh, how yeah. many people say, oh, I don't want to pay that every month. I just want to pay right. it once and be happy with it. That's how we used to consume software, right? You'd buy it and you'd use your office um, 365 or office 2000, whatever, for how many years? <laughs> I'm not buying it again. It's it's that mindset shift is, is, uh, is everywhere. Right. Yeah. 
and that's and shifted. Lot, yeah. 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 And a lot of a lot of accountants, they all have recurring revenue. It just might be annual as yeah. opposed to monthly, right? So pretty much all of us have recurring revenue unless you're a shitty accountant who 100% of your clients leave you every year. But I guess the, the question is why, like, why do you have to measure that different from like, what's my bank balance and what's my cash flow? And like, why is lifetime value important? And like, I get, from my perspective, there's multiple reasons. Yes, if you're selling, because that's going to help you increase your multiple. But even if you're not planning to sell, that helps you from the marketing standpoint, right? Yep. Understanding your lifetime value and, you know, what you can spend to acquire a client and, and how you can use that to grow. You know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've always, exp- uh, I've always used the example of, of, of reconciled or online accounting firms just for our audience that if you let's say you have a product, right, a service that you're selling, on a recurring revenue basis, let's call it your controller service, and it's three thousand a month. And you and you know from your history of doing business for five or ten years that the average customer stays with you for three years, right? So, um, if you're able to charge, you know, two thousand a month or three thousand a month, and the average customer stays with you for three years, you're talking about a significant lifetime value of a three-year customer. I mean, you're t- you're talking about um, you know one hundred and eight thousand dollar. Uh, customer, right? One customer is worth $108,000 every $3,000 customer you bring. So if I ask you the question, look, how much would you give me if I gave you back $108,000 over a three-year period? How much would you be willing to give me? That's the decision of marketing, right? That's the decision of marketing. Would you spend 10000 if you knew you could get, for every single customer, would you spend $10,000 to get them if you knew you could get $108,000 back? Of course you would. You'd hand me at the marketing firm for you $10,000 for every customer I got you. Would you give me 20? Yes, you probably would give me 20. Would you give me 30? Yes, you'd probably give me 30. Would you give me 40? Okay, now you start questioning. Yeah, you know, 30? Okay, yeah. In three years, 10,000 a year, you're going to give me back, you know, uh, $30,000, $36,000. Yeah, I'll give you 10. You know, it starts, there's a price it starts getting to. So now you can measure your marketing and your customer acquisition, customer acquisition costs. Right. Mm-hmm. You can decide. Show me your CAC, Michael. Show me your CAC. Show me the CAC. What's the CAC? So, nice so CAC. yeah, what's me- measuring the lifetime value of customers important because now you can decide what's the customer acquisition cost worth. And and generally, you know, generally speaking, you want your you want your CAC, your customer acquisition costs, to be a third or less than the lifetime value of a customer. You want I've to be able that, to have that because yeah, I've heard that number thrown around where does that come from that third do you know it's, it's a well it's 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 a one it's a measure of like how long do you want to wait for the revenue to return and secondly it assumes a, per, a very high uh, gross margin right? right so if the gross margin is under 50 or under 60 percent then you're going to want that um cac to be much lower than your ltv mm-hmm. if your ltv is in the 80 or 90 percent range you know which is very rare but usually it's that's that's software even 70 percent and higher then yeah three times return, three times, three year return, three times return um, is, is wonderful. You know, right. you, you can do it. Um, but it's hard to do in the beginning. It's hard to be do in the very beginning stages of a company because you don't know what's going to, it's going to cost to get your first customer because you're still getting customers. And you don't know how long they're going to stay. You don't know how long they're going to stay. So you have to do, you have to do industry estimates comparable to benchmark. And those are all things that we plan and hope to do in Sazable. We're, we're right. going, we're building that algorithm of scoring, we're building the algorithm of benchmarking you to other SaaS companies or recurring revenue companies in the industry. We want to we want to advise you and give you information on how to do it better. Those are all things we're building in the SaaS. So it's really exciting. 
Yeah, it sounds like it could be uh, really incredible and really powerful. And I think give people, um, you know, a whole new dimension to their business, which I think a lot of people in the accounting world, we, we have been focused on value pricing. We have been focused on moving to more monthly recurring revenues, um, but we haven't made that next step to a lifetime value cost of acquisition mm-hmm. um, and how we can use that as a lever in our business for growth. Right. And that's the thing I think that is, is pretty exciting because it is, it is a lever. Right. And, and we've seen it used in other industries quite effectively. And there are certainly people who have done that really, really well. Uh, I mean, you're a perfect example. Um, You know, there's, there's a handful of others that have done it, um, you know, but not, not a lot. And in fact, it's something that I think scares a lot of people in the industry for whatever reason, you know, they, they get, intimidated by the whole marketing and growth side. Um, and even though they're more than capable of doing the calculations, even maybe in a spreadsheet, but more than capable of doing the calculations to figure out lifetime value, for whatever reason, I'm not seeing that happen, you know, on mass in, in the industry. I think you're the, you know, flip-flop wearing early trend, or, you know, uh, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt wearing, you know, early adopter out here leading the way um, for people to, to recognize, I think, something that I think is just a matter of time beca- before it becomes, you know, standard industry practice. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, um, you know, I'm hope, I, 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 I hope that, I hope that we, we, um, you know, see through our tool, we're hoping that more and more accountants like just get more comfortable with the, they get more comfortable with the concepts, with the, with the terms, um, and they're able to use it and actually be part of the conversation with well, customers. I'd, I'd also love it, love to see it be part of the conference circuit. It's never once been a topic of discussion mm. at the conference circuit, at the conference that's great, circuit. That's like, a great idea. Let's face it, we're hearing the same thing over and over again at the conference. Well, it's convenient, right? It's that message oh. they can repeat over and over again. You well, don't often also, see the deep dives. It's also a message that supports, you know, their their modus operandi, right? Like, right. you know, let's get you guys into advisory so you don't right. mind that we're coming in and offering the same service. Right. Yeah. Or right? just like, buying us time is what you're doing. Let's get you into value pricing so you're not worried about people like ourselves undercutting you on price. Right? <laughs> like it's it's a little bit self-serving, but I think if if they added some of that stuff around, you know, cost of acquisition, lifetime value, and started showing these people ways that they can leverage and grow, that would be tremendously valuable in, in my opinion. And for those of us who've been going now for five or six years, it would just be nice to have a new topic, right? Right. <laughs> Andrew, that would be a great topic for that conference that you keep talking about putting on. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. Once once we can socialize. Andrew's going to put a conference together once it's humanly no, possible. Yeah. No, no real promises. <laughs> Are <laughs> you just announcing that now right on here on the show? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. going to happen somehow. Yeah, there may be something, but it'll be small. It'll be small. But you just just think real live conferences. Like oh wow. It's conference season coming wait. up. It's like know, three weeks. It's like a month to connect, right? Uh, it's like the way it's just like what I, we all get jazzed for every fall. Yeah. It's like we can't do it now. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. It's a it's the season, right? We yeah. do San Jose and then Toronto, and it's like, yeah, it's like there's gotta be something to fill that void, and I'm not sure what it is this time around. Well, I, I signed up for Connect. I'm I'm gonna Yeah, I've got the vir- virtual one on the 18th of November. And yeah. you know why? Just for anyone listening out there, sign up for, for QuickBooks Connect virtual because they give away stuff. 
uh-huh. that the, the one up here in Canada that they did, they just sent like a box of stuff. They handed out um, uh, skip the dishes to, or I guess they call them DoorDash type gift cards to everyone who attended. And it's like, okay, lunch is on us. And people were just ordering what they wanted and they could still do the conference. It was a lot of fun. Interesting. Sign up. Beyond that, yeah. and even though some of the topic gets repetitive, there's usually some great content there. Yeah. It's worth listening to, and you know, um, well, what I'm going to miss is just the fun, the fun at night, guys. That, oh that's exactly. Wow, well, we'll we'll somehow have to figure it out because in the Canadian one up here, someone uh, I think it was Tanya Hills opened up uh, just a Zoom room, told everyone where it was, and then we just hung out in there and. You could totally do that. It's but it's, it's not the same nothing. thing. It's no, it's, it's not, not a dance floor. Right? <laughs> no, it's not. But it's it's something like I tell you that I do enjoy those. A few weeks ago, uh, Megan Tarno put together. Uh, she called it QBO Club instead of QB. She was kind of a paying homage to um, QBO Chat that Kathy Iconis used to do. And she called it QBO Club, and she just gave everyone the link, and we all hung out in uh, in Zoom. It was it was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> we'll at least have to try that, kind of create our own social site. I don't know how late we'll go, Andrew. We can try. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you've, I, you've held me up until five in the morning before on after we've shut I, down the shut the doors down here. So why not? Yeah. Well, and also I think I mean I don't know if have either of you guys played around with um, Zoom rooms. Because I think that that could yeah. be something really interesting, right? Yeah, like, we've tried. Yeah, we bring all of us into a big group, and then you have like little breakout. side Zoom breakout rooms, yeah. and and it, it can be almost like a like a speed dating thing, right? Like you you break like because as the organizer, you get to choose who goes into what rooms, right? So you could have like a big thing where we all go, okay, we're all going to come into this Zoom room, and then I'm going to put people together for 20 minutes, and then we'll switch it up, right? So it's not just like because when you have 20 even 30 people and even quite frankly anything over five or six it's It's really overwhelming it's it's overwhelming it's noisy you can't really have a conversation you know it in my opinion it doesn't work it's nice to see everyone's faces um and it's great to like like if you break it into those like little zoom rooms and then you bring it back so that you got all 20 of us but you have someone like leading it because when you have 20 people there it's got to be basically like one person is directing it maybe i'll call on you brad for a question maybe i'll call on you michael for a question but it's my show here and i'm running 20 people so it's not just a free fall of 20 yeah. people randomly <laughs> talking over each other what, what megan did was uh, she she had kind of some light sponsorship noify popped in there madison from noify and she was just curious to just check it out but megan just said okay everyone how you been doing and we just went around and we talked about what we've been up to yeah. you know it was it was nice to hear that and, and hear what people have been doing and everything but i could see in that environment andrew and and what right away i flashed back to the to our first year in in uh, san jose where we went to mountain view and you remember we had those kind of focus groups where each table had someone from into it would walk around and we and they would initiate the conversation mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're talking about right having yeah. kind of moderators in each room just keeping the flow keeping a discussion in a certain direction yeah exactly like i did that would would be great if you do it like you copy that design for delight thing that they did with us mm -hmm. when we went to mountain view which is basically like you get but then you got to have a team right like you need someone to organize that where you got 15 20 people so you can manage you know 15 to 20 small groups 
and then you know let's drive a project and a, you know a task or whatever mm. it is and then let's come back and then report on that to the bigger group i mean that could be a really interesting fun thing um but i mean well, what do you guys think what do you guys think you know without conferences happening this this which is what everyone you know a lot of people in our profession do for the next three months is attend conferences and kind of and before we get into the holidays <clears throat> what should be a, fo- a good focus for 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 firm owners and accountants in, in the industry and if, if conferences aren't isn't really what's happening and where they can network and stuff we're gonna do focus? something because if yeah. you think about it we we are conditioned to do that and it's it's good for us to be able to go out and socialize and learn new things it's part of our dna yeah. i mean we're hang talking out, five thousand people go to night and come to the after party on friday night live yeah, <laughs> that too but you know people are getting zoomed out there's no doubt about it i hear it all right. the time people and, are like oh i don't even know oh, there's a million on. and one conferences there's so much content yes. out there right now and half of it is just put on to be put on right because yeah. people don't know what to do um and some of it's good some of it's not good i mean I, I i can't tell you like i've signed up for so many conferences that i just haven't even shown up for i know I've been doing the same and, and online learning and stuff. There's so much of it. It shows up on my calendar. Then I get the reminder email saying, here's the link if you want to watch it. And I always mean to, it's hard. And I I think we want to get away from the computers and the video cameras a bit. Um, I mean, it is an awesome way. If you haven't talked to someone in a while to hear their voice again, see their face again is great. So from that social side, but if you're out there every single day consuming content now, as part of this, the journey I've been on, um, one thing that Noom teaches you is, is motion, staying in motion at all times. Don't sit on your ass, you know, move, move along. So what I've learned to do with some of these things I sign up for, if I don't have to participate and they don't need the video camera, I just put the headphones on and then go for a walk. Yeah. No, that's great. And and just stay busy. And I've I've talked to other people that are doing that rather than, you know, they say sitting is the new smoking. Mm. Um, And that's why, you know, the Apple watch will tell you to stand up every hour and it tracks stand hours and things like that. But that's kind of what I've been doing while I'm listening to these conferences or these interviews and that I sat in on, on one with Hector and uh, Yusuf West a few weeks ago. And it was super interesting but, you know, I didn't need to see those guys. I know what they look like, you know, they're my friends. So it was easy just to go for a walk and just stay within range. You know, I think I even did on my phone so I could just, you know, walk around and do stuff and, and stay productive. Right. And but that's I'd, something you can consider. But I'd also advocate for like literally like getting onto a Zoom with two or three other people from the industry that's not like a prepared webinar or presentation like that's just like hang out hanging out have, have a chat. beer yeah have a beer just hey what's up or what's a going coffee on? if it's you know date in morning and you don't want to start drinking at, at 10 a.m yeah yeah i i miss that like honestly networking is something that i'm good at and i i really enjoy i try to do an in-person event here in calgary and i just can't get people to bite it's like yeah i don't know if i'm ready for that yet even though the the, the venue we use socially distances you know they only allow us to have so many people there wow. like five people signing up for a room that holds 30 and it's like hmm. bigger and more lockdowns are coming particularly for us here in toronto and ontario i've heard you guys are growing but people are getting careless here so it's only a matter of time before well, it's you know, also, something happens 
because because with the as the weather cools down as it does here in vermont and in, in calgary and in toronto it's getting cooler uh, already you, you you lose the patios and those people who who are who are continuing to socialize are now going to be doing it indoors yes. if they can uh, and if they if they can't they'll find a way to do it anyways illegally yeah. um and it's going to get worse and worse and worse but I mean, and I it's, of course flu season's coming um i've, I've had like 20 reminders from assorted sources to, don't forget to get your flu shot so don't forget but getting back to getting back to the topic at hand just to intentionally divert from covid which can get us a little depressed um i'd love to know michael what you're going to do as far as marketing for sassable in this new covid world because obviously it's not like you can go get a booth at the right. quickbooks connect conference right so what are you guys going to do to market yeah, early on in the pandemic, um, my co-founder and I, Ali, we, we were actually planning and be, uh, being at two different SaaS conferences, and we were planning to we were planning to present at one earlier this year as well um, in April, and in, both in California, and those shut down obviously completely in March and April. So we spent we spent time and focus and trying to make the product better before initial uh, public launch, and then. Um, and so now we've been focused on getting on webinars, uh, different people, accounting influencer webinars, shows like this. But Heather and Liz, uh, get them on uh, Happy Hour. You should yep, get on Happy Hour. We'll be on Happy Hour. We'll be on nice. Happy Hour. We'll, um, so yeah, we're, we're kind of focusing on those kind of things. Also SaaS, SaaS newsletters, tech newsletters. So we're slowly working. You know, it's, we're still in an early stage as a product and, um, and, and trying to really make it, make it uh, you know, worth of value and, and build a lot of value into it word of mouth you gotta yeah. it's such a big exactly. network right exactly. so you yeah. get the word out there and people know who's behind yeah. it they'll definitely give it a shot it sounds super cool yeah will you, yeah will you guys be using digital marketing because i know obviously you've done a lot of digital marketing for your own businesses um, yeah um we'll be doing some we'll be doing some yeah definitely but right now it's very organic um because because of the you know my access to the network the people that know who i am you know we were just on uh, Jason Staz's stats, he has a weekly newsletter here, um, that goes out to, and where it's basically, he focuses on five apps, you know, five apps a week and highlights them. And we were the most, you know, the most highlighted and most clicked on app in his newsletter last week. So that was really great. And that's pretty people cool. are interested. They're people interested in the topic and, and what's going on. Obviously the work that, because of my history with Reconcile, the work I'm doing. And so it's, it's going to be very organic uh, marketing right now. And, and we'd love to be in more conferences and stuff, but obviously until they open up, it's very hard. We've done a few early virtual conferences. It's just not the same um, to, to sponsor them or even be boost, boofed in them. It's just not the same. So, um, so in the meantime, we'll continue to do what we can to get PR out and, 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 and go in the right places. And um, we're also applying to and um, applying to different accelerators that are fintech focused and uh we got accepted into a program called the fintech sandbox um out of boston which gives us access to a lot of big data financial data um so yeah we'll keep on we'll keep on our focus and plugging away and um i think this year was about making sure we had enough cash runway launch the app get it introduced and then work on on the next iteration um every single time and you know every single time uh we get so it's been good it's been a good good opportunity and we and we've got we've got a team we've hired some employees and so that's been very exciting too for sassable yeah and and i'm imagining that you guys are going to launch for zero in- yeah in- yeah we're working on a zero integration that's next and uh and then we have um a, a scoring you know a scoring art what we call the sas iq it's our scoring mechanism that, that should be coming out later this year 
um, that'll basically give you a score to rate the health of your recurring revenue metrics. So um, it's very exciting. We're looking forward to that. That sounds cool. How do you, how do you measure that? That's a great question. Uh, there's <laughs> a variety. Of, yeah, that's a, ah, that's a variety that's a of ways. You know? I'm writing it down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same question you ask a bank, like, um, how do you know from the balance sheet if, if a company's worth lending to? How does a bank honestly know that? You, yeah, you know exactly. one point in time. You don't know their future. Yeah. You know their past because the bank the bank's bank tells you a little bit. It can also be that. game too, right? People it totally can, can be build game. up their balance sheet uh, just in time for reporting. Yeah. Most, most balance sheets play. given to a banks aren't audited right yeah. at all. Yeah. So but like they could totally be gamed. And uh, The difference is with cloud, it, 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 you can set it up so it can't be gamed. You can exactly. actually be looking at things like Stripe feeds and making yep. sure exactly. this money's really hitting the exactly. bank. Like, And if yeah. you're going through QBO and you're making sure that the, these invoices are actually cleared, they're not just, you know, um, you know, invoices that are receivable that never actually hit the bank. Right. Right. right? You can't really game that once exactly. you start going to the cloud. I mean, that's exactly. going to be the game changer. Yeah. And I, I've got to think like, wouldn't the next, wouldn't the logical step to be like a financier, like a clear bank and like, be like, okay, I've got this model now. I know who are the people who are, who are generating, generating good MRR um, and have, you know, low uh, cost of acquisitions and great lifetime values. Hey, let me offer you some money so that you can grow. Yeah, that would be one, that would be one path, uh, one path to go and possibly we could go that path or the other path could be, uh, we can be the platform or the score like um, that that banks would just become this become the standard for right and so you don't need to be the one that actually gives money right uh, we have three personal credit scoring systems here in the US they're not in the business of lending they're in the business of the credit score right that's, right that's where well, what money. we talked about data yeah we were talking earlier before the show started about the fact that banks don't traditionally lend on the income statement right they lend off the balance sheet right, right. So, um, one, you've then got to convince the banks that this is a model to use or two, I, you know, I'm, you know, the contrarian screw trying to convince the banks that, that they, they, they're missing out on a tremendous opportunity and snatch up that tremendous opportunity a la ClearBank, who I think you said is now like the second largest financier of uh, e-commerce right now, or the largest, I think the largest said. in the world, yeah, the largest in the world. Like they, that's exactly what they did. They said, hell, I don't need to convince the banks that they're, they got their head up their ass. I didn't take this opportunity and say, Hey, I'm, I can, I can offer this financing to people that wouldn't be able to get it through right. the banks. And now it's not going to be, you know, prime plus a half a point. Right. 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 You know, cause be clear bank is not, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine that anyone who's coming to look at you guys, from a uh, lending perspective, as far as um, financing, and uh, just gotta look at that, and you know, you know, start licking their lips, and you know, going, "Wow, this well, we'll could be see. pretty exciting, right?" We'll see. We'll see what the what they'll lick. I'm not really sure, yeah. but we'll see, like uh, what it'll be. Are they know, gonna lick something it. else? Your CAC? No, 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 no. I knew that was going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you had to change the subject on COVID. Okay, oh, go right God, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. I should digress. Okay, okay. Let's let's change. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about what the process was like getting your app certified with um, QuickBooks because I've heard they can be pretty taunting. They're nightmares. Like they, yeah. they stress test you guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I we had a good we have a good technical team. Um, they built a great product and and they knew what they were doing and they did their research on um and, and, and into its you know development uh kit and their development api it's all it's all open it's all you know free to use and 
it's very, very open. It's really great. I mean, what the ecosystem they built is really, really welcoming and they're excited when, when new apps are introduced and they want yeah. you to succeed. Um, so the process wasn't, wasn't that hard. Um, when, especially if you know what you're doing, if you're building and if you have a team that knows what they're doing and, and you also, you know, uh, communicate and follow the, the steps that they outline, which they make it really clear. So any solid developer would know and be able to see what that that process is. Now, some some apps actually don't go through the through the uh, trouble. Yeah, some people keep it private, right? They keep it private. They still have the API still open, so you don't have to be listed in the QuickBooks Online Store if you don't want yeah. to. We chose to be because we we believe that it's going to help us in regards to getting our word out to to our some of our end users. Um, but there's a lot of apps out there that don't yeah. connect to the that are not because they don't want to go through the security protocol test. They want to go through the stress testing, or frankly, they just don't find the value of being in the, the app store. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we felt found the value of doing that, and so um, so it was great. It, it was a, it was a good process, and um, the team over there is really wonderful, and, and they made it easy for us. Um, well, I mean, not easy. They they made sure that we knew what we needed to do to make sure that we passed you know pass everything, and so. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, and, and it's multiple, it's in multiple parts. Like you go through multiple, um, parts of testing, not just, uh, not just technical review, but security review and also, uh, uh, marketing like your, what, you know, how are you going to market and what's, you know, pricing look like and all those things. So, um, and so you'll, yeah, yeah. And you'll notice, you'll notice like, uh, you know, certain apps that have a single sign on capability, you know, or immediate sign on, um, when you click on, you know, try the app from the QuickBooks online store versus apps where you're basically just going, it's just the app store is just a referral to somebody else, some, some other website. Mm-hmm. So there's all, there's all different approaches as well that, that you can take with, with launching an app on the app store. It's well. a great, the dev team is, is a great team. Like Andrew, yeah, we know, you, yeah. you know, they're, they're just great. quality people there. They yeah. really do get behind the ecosystem. You well, know, you feel I mean, supported. It's, Every well, app partner I've ever talked to says is a great yeah. experience. It is. Yeah, I mean the, the support, and then the one thing that's kind of sucks for Mike a little bit is is uh, the support isn't what it used to be though. Like, I mean, there's no more app showdown. Like, you look what Andy Terry did with that app showdown. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the support that those people, those finalists got, um, and let alone the winners, a hundred grand, right? Like, that's you know nothing to sneeze at. Um, and I, I'm sure that they're still providing support, but I'm, uh, there's no there's no opportunity for Mike to get a hundred grand. Yeah. This year, right? Well, it was the sense of community that they well, built maybe, maybe within there is, that. But it's going to be through revenue, right? But even all the app finalists, they become super tight, and they mm-hmm. learn from each other, and they and they do things together and well, things and like that. So I saw it when I was down in, in San Jose for uh, a, accountants council. They have basically accountants council for the app partners, so they have. They have the same sort of thing, which is to sort of bring them together and to learn from each other and to give advice back to into it on the API and, and, you know, what they can do better to build a better, stronger product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's that collaboration. It's really, it's really, really great. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's been, it was a good, a good experience. I, 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 you know, we love the process and, uh, but we're, we have to continue to build out um, our product to connect to zero and to other, other billing systems. Um, because, because recurring revenue companies use all kinds of billing systems, yeah. right. Where they have their data. So we want to be able to connect to as many as possible. 
Right. So maybe fresh desk and or fresh books and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and wave and yeah. a few of the other token Canadian companies up there. Right. right, <laughs> right, right. What about some like Sage Intact going, you know, up to, to the mid market? Yeah. Yeah. We, that would, that would be the plan that would be on the roadmap. And, uh, and then, that you know, just, 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 fresh books. just straight and just straight up where billing happens. So Stripe, yeah. you know, things like that, where the actual billing charging happens, but um, you know, QuickBooks is unique because into it in quick in quickbooks online it has a uh it has a merchant services right so a lot of companies use yeah. quickbooks merchant services inside quickbooks um so there's a lot of companies that that they're on that they don't they're they but before they migrate over to stripe or something else so. isn't isn't it stripe don't they use stripe no is no. into it into it well there was talk a few years ago they were in talks with stripe to replace up here anyways i don't mm-hmm. know how, how it was going to be in the, the states US, they, and they were going to use they're, they're stripe pretty big here in the u.s the merchant services is- yeah but there there was i remember there was talk a few years ago and then the talks fell through i think zero uses stripe yeah i i love stripe i mean um well, it, it's it's a cool platform because it's it's kind of well you can connect to so many different they've things. got an open api that's yeah. the magic word of the world right these yeah. days and it's exactly. like exactly it's so easy to use it works with zapier i mean that's the reason i love it to be honest is because it works with zapier and it actually tells zapier the banking charges for every transaction yeah, exactly you have to screw around like i had somebody ask the other day on this facebook group i hang out with here in calgary it's business owners and someone says paypal or stripe and that just i was the first one to reply said well stripe is awesome and connects to everything paypal well but in the states pal, paypal is huge right it never well, it's huge but the accounting terrible. for it is terrible like yeah. you want streamless automation that the transaction happens and you don't touch it again paypal has never really had it's super great integrations so I responded by saying Stripe and then about eight to 10 people responded right after saying the same thing. She goes, okay, Stripe it is because <laughs> it really, like it was, it was uh, unanimous. I didn't see anyone come in there and say, oh yeah, PayPal has changed my, my business. Whereas people were saying that about Stripe. Right. Just the ease. Question. You may or may not know the answer to this, Mike. Um, but I'm just wondering if you, if you've broken into the merchant services feed um, do they break out um, the service charge? Uh, say, say that again. Do they break out the service charge and 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 the invoice transaction through, when you use merchant services through? Like if you go into the API, and you can see, okay, it's processed. A, you know, I had an uh, invoice you're at, for yeah, X. You're asking a program level. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, I don't. Play I'm that. getting into the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Not for me. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get India on the line. Yeah, you'll have to get the Indian team on the line. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So how did you how did you go about building an app? Because I'm assuming you didn't write a line of code for this. I I did not write a line of code for that. I don't know how to write code. Yeah, at all. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's not. It's not. Is your partner the tech guy? He's a he creates product. He he knows how to create product, but he's not a programmer either. We have tech team that that creates that codes right. You have a US we have a US tech lead and an Indian tech lead. So Um, walk. I'd love to hear you walk us through like what's this process to build out an app when you're a non-techie because I guarantee there's a lot of people in our county community who have an app in their mind sure want to build something out what's the process you go through yeah so I think I think one is you want to you know uh 
I'll, I'll just walk you through the whole process, right? So like you want to start with conceptualizing, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Define that problem. And then um, you want to go talk to enough people that have that problem and mm -hmm. ask them, well, what would it look like to have a solution and how do you current sol currently solve it now? Like, what do you use, right? And so most people use Excel in, in, in Sazable's case. Most people use Excel or Google Sheets. That's what they're using. Right. They take financial reports out of QuickBooks or Zero, then they customize it to measure recurring revenue metrics, and they, they do that on a weekly or monthly basis. So I wanted Anytime to I hear spreadsheets yeah. these days, I just go, I want a nap. Yeah, I want, I want a nap. Yeah, exactly. So I, that's what I was doing. That's what I was doing with Reconcile is we were doing recurring revenue reports for our customers and using Excel or Google Sheets. And that's what our clients were using too to measure recurring revenue. So um, it's just it just was the most convenient way to do it at the time. So you conceptualize the problem. And then, um, you know, if you have a product guy, like my co-founder, what they would do is go and, 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 and basically draw out or, or wireframe what could, a, uh, what could it look like? What could a solution look like? What do you want it to solve? How do you want it to look? What do you want it to feel like? And then you go to some programmers to program it. And that's what you, that's now you have your MVP. Now you have kind of your thing, but you actually can use the wireframe or the concept, like just the prototype wireframe to go raise money with. And that's what we did. So we took the wireframe and then we, we, as we built the MVP, we started showing it to local investors and we're able to raise enough to um, be able to have a budget to get us to version one um, and have enough money to get um, to start marketing version one and, and to get to version two. And um, so that's what we did. So we raised the money back in December um, and, uh, and then, uh, and then built out version one, spent, you know, a few months building out version one. And, um, you know, we were able to do it in a scrappy way because I'm not, I'm not relying on the income from Sazable for my survival or anything like that. So we both take a nominal, we took both take a very nominal salary from Sazable for our time and our, our, our expertise. But then instead we pour it into the dev team and we pour it into, um, into uh, a customer success lead that we hired and things like that. So, um, so we and launched version one. Yeah, with tech, that's essential, right? Because Absolutely. with tech, you you have a huge upfront investment, yeah, um, and then very little cost that basically gets averaged down and down and down and down. Yeah, and down as and you acquire down. more customers and revenue, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not like you need inventory of, of, of right. software, right? That's right, right, exactly. You know, yeah. and the you know the challenge is you. Giving. The challenge is you just can't go borrow the money, right? And uh, you can't just go fund unless you have a company already running, and you go to the bank and say, "Hey, I want to I want to borrow against my current company and go raise it." But we 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 started a completely separate company called yeah. Sazable because this was not this is a completely different kind of business than than well, the other business I had. Yeah, and plus, I mean, a, a lot of let's face it, most most apps fail. More yeah. apps fail yeah. than succeed, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's very so, hard. It's very yeah. challenging. Yeah, and 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 um. You have to, you know, you have to be, uh, have to have some vision around it and a good team and, and execute well. And uh, so far, we've got a lot of interest on on what we want to do next with it. We have version one out, and we got a lot of interest. And we're going to go, you know, we're probably going to go out for, uh, need to go out for another fundraise as we we build out our long term vision to be that standard scoring mechanism for banks and lenders and things like that. Um, so yeah, so that that'll take money, that'll take time, and take a bigger team. And um, so it's very exciting. You know, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I I would encourage anybody watching, anybody looking into you know app development, feel free to reach out, and um, you know you can you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Easily find me and reach out, and I'm happy to talk to any of you about it, about that, or about what's going on with Reconciled, and um, and you know, uh, 
it's it's been really great to just be able to connect virtually still with people. And it's funny how everyone is on the remote work bandwagon and mm-hmm. we have, there's so many remote work experts now. I'm like, wow, I uh, I thought I was the expert. <laughs> now, every, now everybody is. This but is you so notice amazing. the people who have been doing it for a long time aren't out there saying I'm the remote work expert, even no. though they are. No, yeah. They're exactly. just quietly running their business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, it definitely made life easier when all of a sudden we were told, oh, you better stay at home. It's like, well, I work from home a lot anyways. I I was like, yes, victory, because now I don't have to convince clients that they should do Zoom instead of coming to my office. They kind of just know they have to use Zoom. And now I don't struggle with people not going, oh, I couldn't figure out Zoom. Everybody knows Zoom now. Like, it's not a problem. Like, everybody no zoom and that was like for us who was like you know a second generation family business where we had a lot of like we, we literally have you know brad i've told you about that client who gives me a ledger book still yeah right <laughs> like literally true a story physical ledger, a yeah. physical ledger book um That's crazy and so getting those people to transition like we were more than capable we were completely um ready to do it but it was getting the client's mindsets to, hey, I don't need to come into your office. I don't we have an anonymous to- guest. I see what just yeah. happened, Andrew. <laughs> I don't know. I might have given the out to a random person. A I wonder random. who who do you think it could be, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Is it a Venezuelan dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anonymous guest. Who is that anonymous person? <laughs> Surprise anonymous guest. Yeah. Hey, Michael, well, uh, I, could, I couldn't resist, man. Sorry. Um, of course you could. I, I knew you couldn't resist, Hector. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he's That's gone. It? <laughs> Come back. You're la- oh, Hector. There he is. Uh, hey, there he is. I, I thought I would be able to uh, <laughs> be anonymous? play the guess who game. <laughs> What's up, Mike? How you doing, Hector? It's good to see you. I've been listening, man. Congrats on the Sassable success. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we'll see. It's you know, it's not quite this. It's quite a success yet, but we got it launched. So, well, that's you're a success. Yeah. You're in the app store. Yeah, you're, yeah, that's a big success. Yeah, you're 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 talking about it. It works. Yeah, yeah it works. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's like when you actually get something that works, you're like, oh wow, <laughs> I can't believe we got it to work. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys talk about the price point? I wonder, like, what what the price point is going to be. Is that is that a is that out there yet or no? Yeah, it's it's, it's publicly available on the website. Yeah, it's all. What's out, what's out there, the, what's yeah. the price point? More so if you're if you're a startup, or you know, if you if you want to just use it and try it out and have yourself as the user, it's it's free to connect your for your QuickBooks file. So to get um, like the first set of data, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and then if you want to, um, if you're a basically a startup, if you have one QuickBooks file and you're basically one company and you're measuring current revenue, you want other users on it and you want all the full features, it's sixty nine dollars a month. Uh, and then if you are an accountant and you want to add multiple QuickBooks files and share it with multiple, um, you know, customers and, and, and other parties, then I believe it's one thirty nine a month and it's right now it's unlimited files, unlimited QuickBooks files right now. So um, I'm fascinated by how people come up with prices. So how do you come oh, up yeah. with six? Why 69, Michael? It's all about cash. It's, it's all about cash. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. CAC, customer acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was telling Andrew yeah. that CAC is my Chinese zodiac. I'm the rooster, right? So I'm the CAC. <laughs> the CAC. Yeah. So do you guys break down what the, what the measurements were? It was it was four of them, right? Four key. Well, there's there's some there's just some key measurements inside recurring revenue companies, but 
there's a lot of them inside there when you go into the the, the, the app. But you know the main ones you want to look at are MRR, ARR, um, LTV, which is lifetime value. Um, you talked you talked about lifetime value and yeah, CAC, yeah, yeah, is CAC is customer acquisition cost. And churn, what's M, you know churn, what's M, MRR. MRR monthly recurring revenue. And okay. ARR's annual recurring revenue. So yeah, ARR's isn't annual revenue. isn't that the same as just taking a financial statement and dividing it by twelve? How how would it be different? I'm <laughs> well, just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, devil advocate is your your income statement um, is not trying to report recurring revenue. Your income statement is re- reporting all revenue. So and so we're, what we're delineating in the app is is what is your actual recurring revenue? What revenue is recurring versus what revenue is not? So, you, so you'll separate the projects from. Correct. The month. And how does the app do it? The app detects money coming in or you tell it based on the accounts and yeah, you map we, it? Well, at some point we, we, we will have detection where machine learning where it can do that. But right now, right now you, we have the ability in the app for you to go in. You can actually tell, tell the app to ignore customers that aren't recurring customers. Uh, then, it's based, you know, based on the customers, yeah, not based, based on the, the not and based then, on the account category. No, not account category. The customers, and then you can go actually down to the invoice. So if you have customers where you you have both, you have a customer that you do one time projects for and recurring, you have a recurring maintenance fee as well with them. Then you actually can tell the app ignore this invoice, but keep the other invoices that are okay. ongoing. So and if you have if you have varying if you have varying revenues, same customer, recurring revenue customer. And you have varying revenues, it will just average it out. Or, like, let's say, for example, that you have a customer they charge $500 a month, but every quarter you charge, let's say, $300. Yeah. So, will it, will it, will it convert it to $600 or will it ignore the quarterly ones? I'm just, just wondering. No, yeah, no, actually. So, you, when you go in, you, when you go in to adjust both the customer and then the invoices, you actually can tell Sazable, hey, these quarterly invoices. Um, they are actually a, they're for a quarter quarterly pay, a quarterly membership. So please spread this invoice over three months for the okay. MRR measurement, right? Because your goal is to get to MRR, monthly recurring revenue, which then calculates your annual recurring revenue. So it actually gives you the ability to take a, a prepaid six month membership or an annual prepaid membership. Um, it you, you it gives you the ability to spread that invoice over a period of time, and that's the that's the um, we built it because we knew how you know accountants use QuickBooks or Zero. When you when you create an invoice in QuickBooks, it shows you in the you know sales by customer summary report the value of the invoice. But what it doesn't do is tell you how to spread it or amortize that invoice, right? So you have to do that usually through a journal entry and deferred revenue account on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, we built into Sazable the ability to just auto auto amortize that invoice. Okay. And so and what about direct expenses tied to the monthly revenue? Like for example. You got a clients on on wholesale billing of QBO, and you have to pay for that subscription because it's part of the part of the monthly deal. Do you do you calculate that as well? The direct monthly no. costs? No, because that's not a, direct monthly costs is not a primary measurement in recurring revenue metrics. Hmm. Should um, that's an accounting measurement? That's like something accountants love to measure, but it's not something that uh, investors or people in the recurring revenue space care about. What they That's care about though. is, yeah, it, weird, they though. don't. Yeah, they don't. Yes. Mm. They don't. You're muted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, I forgot. Uh, but lifetime value. It's funny because yeah, when you when you hear it, it's usually around revenue. It's not around the actual like 
gross margin. Yeah, which it really should be, right? I mean, for I and I'm not sure why that is. It seems to have been focused more off the top line than the bottom line, and then makes these pretty bold assumptions that you know you've got specific margins, and that's where you come up with this one third yeah. model for your cost of. Well, in 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 because recurring revenue model came out of the SaaS space. Well, most SaaS customer, you know, most SaaS companies, they have a 70% or higher gross margin. Mm-hmm. So they just really, you know, there's an assumption that, hey, in, in the SaaS space with software, you're just going to have a high gross margin regardless. Now, when you apply this to other industries where you can get a gross margin number is you just go to the Gap Financial in, the, in QuickBooks. You just go right. to the Gap Financial Prepared. You can take that gross margin and apply it to the recurring revenue stream, right? Yeah. So, um, but at some point, yeah, we'll build those features out. We'll also build a... Well, we're working on a deferred revenue balance that adjusts automatically and then allows you to, to um, it'll allow Sazable to adjust your deferred revenue and therefore your, your revenue reported inside QuickBooks. Um, so we're working on all those features right now in version two. So. And what about churn? Is that something that will be coming? Is it churns already, churns in there, churns inside there. It's a primary metric. Yeah. Churn is a very much a primary metric for, um, for recurring revenue. What, what's the mathematical formula for, for, for churn? It's I can't tell you, so shut the fuck up. Derivative. (laughs) Integration. Calculus. Yeah, no, no, turn. Yeah, Yeah, turns turns actually simple. Yeah. So it's it's the number of customers you lose, right, over a period of time, right? And so there's both gross churn and net churn. Um you you know, you want your you wanna if your focus is hey, what customers did I lose from last month to the prior 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 month? So that's the most recent completed month compared to the prior month. And then there's also churn from the most recent completed month to the prior year, most recent completed month, right? So there's a two different measurements of churn. Do you want to, and it depends on how you want to measure that churn. Um, and in Sazable right now, we do, we do our churn analysis on how much, how much, how much, uh, what percentage of customers did you lose in the prior month compared to the month before? Um, but then we'll, we'll be able to build in measurements later on in, in our additional versions where you can pick the time period. How do you actually want to measure it? Um, so it, it becomes like this really customized science of how you want to measure it and, and, and how you want it reported to yourself, what, what matters to you in your industry and the way you're measuring it. It, it sounds pretty freaking awesome. And I'll chat more about it in the after show. Yeah. Um, but for our guests, surprise, surprise, once again, we've come to the hour. Um, it's been amazing having, uh, Hector and Michael back. Anonymous um, guest. Anon- sorry, uh, Michael, an anonymous guest back. <laughs> uh, there's a rumor floating around that they may be back again. Uh, you'll have to stay tuned and come back next Friday to find out and, if that's true or not. And next Friday is actually Matt Canis is coming back for real. We yes. uh, <laughs> tried to get him a few weeks ago and didn't quite work out. So we're looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, great to see you, Michael. Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. See you guys back next week.